Welcome back to Relish the Journey, a podcast about the many different pathways of life and the stories that every person out there has to share. My guest today is Allison Farrow, a.k.a. Allison Clark, a.k.a. Allison Dale, <laughs> um, a friend from our college years back at Lycoming, similar to other guests on the show. So, Allie, thanks for joining me. Well, thank you, MJB. Yeah. Thanks for bringing out the nicknames. Um, thanks for having me. I actually had to remind my you're welcome and I actually had to remind myself of your married name now in my head yeah, you're always Allison her. Clark or Allison Dale as we she used to joke around and I had to remind myself that you are married now married woman hey it's um, you're not alone and men are lucky they don't have to deal with that confusion because it is confusing <laughs> yeah and how long has it been now it's a few years right well, gosh, um, I don't want to say it feels like a few years because my husband will get mad, but it's been about a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like longer just cause the way life moves now. So much has happened, I feel like, in that year and a half. I know. It's crazy. So what would you say is the best – what's the best thing about married life a year and a half in? Um. Wow. Well, I think knowing that he can't escape is good. <laughs> <laughs> no, Um. I don't know. I think we're just, we're actually probably kinder to each other because um, we know we're in it for the long haul. And so I just think we're more understanding and patient and and kinder because we know how permanent and um, how much we love each other. And so I think we've just sort of shifted that way, um, which is nice, really. Yeah, it almost like, I, I agree with you when that's how I felt when Claire and I first got married, but it's almost like, there's pressure removed you know mm-hmm. even though if you've dated that person for a long time and you know how you feel about that person there is always that like you said you can't escape but there's always that question like <laughs> will they leave will this last and once you know the other person's intent is to not have it end you know similar to yours it just it opens up a whole other dimension to things yeah i think you just when those worries go away um and those doubts go away you just kind of relaxed a little bit and um you can be just a little more chill and kinder and yeah it's great i love it it's good it was funny on on uh it was a time hop i think it's called on facebook the other day it popped up with pictures from your wedding <sighs> and uh and before then it was like the dates that randy bosch and i had leading up to your wedding because claire was in the wedding party and it was just me and randy going around the city love that and we hit a couple <laughs> of distilleries and uh jack williams uh jack daniels wow jack williams that's i don't know what that is i think it's a tire and auto center yeah um <laughs> jack daniels we shop and yeah do you have, um but it was just that was just a great time i miss nashville it was fun being down there for that well you are more than welcome to come back anytime you want you will have to the house good you moved into a house right after the wedding or right yes, before the wedding we- yeah, we're in East Nashville, which um, is, well, we're about, I guess, a mile and a half from the heart of downtown. Um, and so it used to be a pretty rough neighborhood, candidly, um, but now it's been really gentrified and it's kind of a, a hip music neighborhood. So a lot of local musicians live in it in the neighborhood. And there's a lot of vinyl shops and a lot of coffee shops. Um, and so we are um, in a house 
uh, that's in sort of a little complex with eight other homes with young young people, young married couples, and and we love it. Yeah, and our dog has a fenced-in backyard, which, by the way, I'm pretty sure we bought a house just for our dog. <laughs> like we would we wouldn't admit it a year ago, but now um, having a yard with a fence for a dog is a game changer. So I think that's why we ended up buying the house. But um, it's been great for all of us, including the dog. <laughs> yeah, I know that goes. I got. Claire and I were just talking about that. We have to get a fence because we just built a house more for the baby, I guess, not the dog. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we have to fence it in. So It's worth it. It's worth it. Well, I want to go back in time here before you were at Nashville, in Nashville, mm-hmm. to when you were just an 18, 19-year-old gal stepping onto Lycoming College's campus. Mm-hmm. And... I, I remember, I think the first time I met you was just in passing at orientation um, weekend. And I remember that you were you were near all the swimmers because you were living on the swimmer floor with us, but you weren't a swimmer. And you were always Correct. hanging out with just, I don't know, for me, it always seemed like the cool crowd. You were one of those cool kids from a distance before I met you. I was like, who is this girl? She just seems like just, I can't even talk to her. <laughs> I say you like she's out of my league. Not that from a dating standpoint, but it was just like I just feel like I don't know. There's just there was an air about you. You just were so confident and hanging around with other people that were so confident. And I was very unconfident at the time that I had you up on this pedestal in my brain. And then flash forward a few years, you ended up being roommates with Claire, and we became super good friends. Um, but I wanted to just ask, talk to you about that time. I mean, what was that like for you coming from? Honesdale, PA, and Lake Wampompack to Williamsport. I mean, what brought you to Lyco? Um, gosh, the good old days. You know, I I can't even remember why I looked at Lyco um, initially. Anyway, I one of my classmates was looking at it. Bryce Rickard, um, you'll remember Bryce, yeah. and Bryce and I were good friends. Um, and so I think there was that comfort level of you know, knowing somebody who's going there and, um, you know, a couple of my teachers were alum of LICO and, um, but I think when I stepped on campus, it, it felt a little bit like home in that, you know, there were a lot of trees and it was, um, small and, um, relatable and approachable and friendly. And that's kind of what my hometown Hunsdale is like. It's like 4,000 people and, um, small and it's, you know, rural. So it's very woodsy. And I don't know, I guess, I think it was just a feeling I had when I got there and, um, I looked at my mom and I'm like, yeah, I think this is a school. She's like, Oh, great. The one that's 40 grand a year. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, She wasn't thrilled at the time, but um, yeah, I think that's how I I made that decision for for better or worse. But yeah, it was um, interesting. So what was your impression of a lot of our group of friends senior year back freshman year? Like I I just described to you my first impressions of you. I just had no idea who you were and it was just from afar. I mean, you think about our group, it was pretty large, but who was somebody that you met freshman year that you probably thought to yourself, man, I don't know what's this person about i don't know if i'm gonna be gonna like them or something like that that was just they end up being different than what you thought yeah well i'm not a good swimmer so it was weird to be around the swimmers um i don't i don't know if there's anyone that i thought that about i mean i tried to be open-minded and i wanted to meet new people and different people we didn't have a swim team at my 
my high school and so I had never been around that sport ever um but I think I lucked out because um our floor even though it was filled with swimmers um and I knew nothing about swimming and wasn't in that um in that club if you will I I think I lucked out because everybody was so friendly and fun and um I don't know welcoming and even though I, I wasn't a swimmer I still felt sort of part of the group um and so I don't I mean of course there were a couple people where I were like what the hell where did they come from (laughs) and I think we all know who those people are but um for the most part I mean it was it was great I loved being on your floor except when y'all had matches or not matches uh, meets see I know nothing about something when y'all had meets far away then we were alone and that wasn't fun but um other than that it was great being with you guys I loved it so what would you say is your what's your favorite college memory? Ever? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well. Oof. Um I think probably my favorite college memory was moving up to our sorority floor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, didn't you love moving to oh, the yeah. floor? Yeah. Cuz it was it like was just- all the freshman year you think to yourself, holy crap, I can't wait to be that guy or that girl on the floor in the organization and then you finally got to be and it was just like you felt like you made it and you were hot stuff yes and you also just feel like you're moving into like you're moving in with family i mean it felt like family freshman year with all this together and most of us ended up actually moving into the same building um or the same room but but still there's something different about moving onto our um sorority or fraternity floor it just felt like home which is really cheesy because as you know that's beta fives um, oh, i didn't realize so you did that yeah. i didn't even mean to do that but um no i think that was probably my favorite memory was moving onto the floor for the first time it was pretty surreal actually so <laughs> so you had mentioned before that you and i went quote-unquote live here and i started hitting record that the only episode you listened to so far was of me interviewing Mike. He and I had similar conversations about college because he and I were roommates for so long. But is there anything that you heard in there that you know you hadn't heard before, or you know just that you found funny or interesting, or just like a weird topic that you didn't quite know from his perspective? You know what? It is funny. Okay, so when you and I were just um, talking about how you thought. I was super confident when you first saw me at orientation or whatever it was and um, how you weren't confident. It's funny because when you and Toner were talking, you were talking about, and by the way, I still call him Toner, which I just feel is appropriate. I'm not going to call him Mike. I'm going to call him Toner. (laughs) Um, But when you and Toner were talking, you were talking about how um, somebody, I don't know who it was, I can't remember, thought that you both were too confident and, and cocky. And so in my mind, it's just so funny because, you know, you mentioned that you weren't confident at the time and and then you know somebody else was saying how they thought you were too confident at the time it's just funny how we perceive each other and how we all view each other differently than um than how we view ourselves and I don't know when you just mentioned that to me earlier about not feeling confident but you thought I was confident I think that's funny because I probably in the moment seemed confident but wasn't and um it's just interesting when you're young how you perceive yourself and how others perceive you. And I think that's interesting. So that would be, I think the the thing that uh, stuck out to me for sure. Well, it's even more than 
when you're young. I mean, right now you think about all the people you encounter and we are always quick to judge and snap decisions and perceptions and you never really know what's going on in somebody else's world or head or mm-hmm. where they're coming so, from. And mm-hmm. It's can, incredible. It yeah, is. it's it's so true. It's important to keep in mind, I think. And as you get older and as you mature, I think it's something that's top of mind for us more than ever before. But, um, yeah, if I could go back, I would tell my younger self that for sure. Well, that's an interesting phrase there. So do you think if, if you could go back to college, Allie, would you tell <laughs> her to do something different? Uh, yeah, I've got a long list. Okay. <laughs> No, 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 but um, I would. I mean, I think, I don't know. I, I guess um, there are some people who would argue you shouldn't change anything and you should just let the, the path be the path that it's supposed to be. But um, I guess if I had the luxury of going back, there are um, things I would tell my younger self, and one of them would be to have more empathy, I think, for people and more understanding of um, who they are, where they're at, what's going on in their lives. and um, Yeah. I think that would be it, but there's a lot of things. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't need to get into all of that. On nope. <laughs> um, well, and you had another question I had in here. It's funny you kind of teed it up with something else you said, but you had mentioned two things about when you're younger, and then you had mentioned your mom. And now your mom is correct me if I'm wrong, but she was or is the editor for Highlights Magazine. Yep, she still is. She won't so, retire. We just had that conversation. <laughs> so that's that's a tie-in because talking about young and then your mom, but that's – I remember hearing that. I forget when. I'm like, no way. I used to love that freaking magazine and always try to do all the puzzles and stuff. So yeah, your mom's kind of like famous in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a badass. So what was <laughs> what is that like as a kid and you go and see a Highlights magazine or kids are reading it or playing with it and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, my mom does that or – you know, does she workshop any of the stuff in the magazine with you as a kid growing up before it went live or anything? Yeah. Like that? Um, it's interesting. I mean, so the town that I grew up in, Homesdale, Pennsylvania, um, it's sort of random for a magazine like that to be there, but that is where the founders lived and grew up. And so um, the magazine was founded in that small town. And although they've grown, of course, um, since then, the editorial office still remains in Honesdale, and they're still in the original house, and there are still family members that work there, um, and then their corporate office is in Columbus, Ohio. So it's kind of random that we ended up in Honesdale, but that's why, because she took that job, and that's where their um, editorial office is. And so in our town, people are just kind of used to it, right? So um, nobody was ever... Um, marveled or um, excited about the fact that my mom was the editor of that magazine. They just, they already knew that and it wasn't cool to them. But as I started getting older and traveling and and going to school and meeting new people, um, that's when it kind of clicked that she was, um, I wouldn't say famous and she would hate um, if I called her that, but (laughs) that the magazine was so um, well known and people, you know, um, they, thought it was cool that she was the editor. I mean, it didn't happen until college, until when I really left my small town. Um, and it was neat. I mean, I, I had never thought of her that way until then. And so I'm really proud of her. She is still, still there. They actually just filmed a really cool documentary um, that is for sale. Well, not for sale, but you can buy it on iTunes and you can buy it on Amazon called 44 
44 pages, excuse me, and that is the number of pages in a Highlights magazine. Um, And they have been all over the country at film festivals. And I think it's a really great um, piece on the magazine and its history and my mom. And um, I love, yeah, and as, as an adult with a career now, I appreciated it so much because I know you know, she's been at 25 years. And so to see somebody that you admire and that you look up to accomplish something like that and to see it on, you know, the big screen in a film, um, it's, it's just really neat. And so, um, it's been, she's taught me a lot. I'm, I'm fortunate for sure. I'm proud of her too. <laughs> That's really cool. I'll have to look that up. You said it was called 44 pages. Yeah. And, and, um, fingers crossed, uh, with enough iTunes and Amazon sales, um, hopefully it will be on Netflix, um, in the near future. So if it is, check it out. That's because awesome. Pretty, yeah. yeah it's, it's a pretty cool story. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So I asked Claire before I called you and first I asked her, Claire, do you want to interview Allie with me? And she's not one for the, you know, the uh, spotlight, I guess you could say. I was surprised they even convinced her to be a guest. So she politely declined but said to say hello, and she misses you, and I'm sure she'll call you separately. But I asked her, what should I ask you? Like what's what would be a funny story that we would talk about or a deep question that she wanted to get out of you? And she went – funny I think because I don't really know what this is but she said to ask you about the time that you guys broke your hot tub oh broke the hot tub that's what she said okay so I know this trip um I remember pretty vividly for better or worse but um so I'll give you I'll, I'll paint a picture for the the entire trip that she's referencing yeah, where the hot tub. your reaction was like oh that's what she's asking <laughs> well no so this trip oh my gosh i reminisce on it um occasionally with my mother it's interesting so claire came home with me one time um unless she, well there there might be two different trips there's two hot tubs broken well i don't know you know we drink a lot <laughs> but I, okay so i will tell you two stories okay. that um i think relate to what she's referencing so one time claire came home this this is my own funny story about claire so we'll just start there i guess and i can't remember which trip this happened on but whatever so thanksgiving one year she came home with me um because she was meeting someone um nearby i can't quite remember why but she came home to my house and when we got to my house it was thanksgiving break um we walked in and, and my mother and my stepfather were really sad and it was it was the first time she had been to my house and I think maybe the first time she had met my stepfather and we were both kind of confused like okay what's going on why is her sad and um it was just the four of us and my mom broke the news to us that my my family dog had died and poor Claire is like 
coming to my house for the first time and I just start bawling and we're all crying and poor Claire is just sitting there um, sort of watching us cry as I just learn about this news and as we're crying like my mom flips a a glass of red wine in the air and it gets all over the sofa and we're all just kind of crying and trying to clean up this wine and Claire's just sitting there like okay happy Thanksgiving oh my god it was we, my mother and I reminisce on it frequently, and we we say, remember that time Claire came home for the first time ever to our house, and we were crying with a dog and spilling wine. Anyways, um, and so I don't remember if that is when we broke the hot tub, but um, we got into the hot tub. Uh, we had a little, like, I guess, cabana with a hot tub in it, and I'm pretty sure, like, a hose broke, but we were trying to relax. Maybe it was because the dog died, and... All of a sudden, we were, like, trying to fix a hose, but the hose broke and then just started, like, squirting everywhere like crazy, and it was just straight mayhem, and so I think that was the visit because nothing was going right. It was, like, dog died, massive glass of red wine just spilled all over, like, the white carpet, and then the hose in the hot tub just broke and went flying, and everything was just mayhem, so I think that is the trip. Um, where that happened and God bless Claire forever staying my friend after that because it was, um, it was ridiculous. I think that's what she's talking about, but my God. (laughs) So is that both stories? You said your two stories. Okay. Well, so that was the trip that I'm pretty sure happened on because I remember thinking God, everything went wrong. That could have gone wrong during this trip. The other trip was when Jackie and Caitlin came to, Um, and that was in the summer, so I couldn't imagine we'd be in the hot tub, but, um, things went wrong there. Whenever the four of you are together, there's always a story to be told. It is so bad. So that trip they came and I was blowing up. I didn't have enough beds. I was blowing up an air mattress and I had a puppy at the time, a new puppy. And the second I blew up the air mattress, the puppy ran on the air mattress and peed all over it. (laughs) <laughs> and that was the only air mat. It was just like That's one funny. thing after another. But um, I'm pretty sure it was the Thanksgiving trip. And God bless Claire for sticking with me through that. That was bad. That's funny. Well, the other question is more like a hint towards me, but I, she told me I had to ask it, so I will. But she, her question is, how could you convince me to move to Nashville? Oh, where do you want me to start? <laughs> So, um, from, well, from a professional standpoint, there are, actually Nashville is kind of known now for craft brews and um, breweries, wineries, I mean, anything that you can drink or eat, um, we're, we're just developing like crazy. And so, professionally, I think there's a lot of room there for you to... Um, explore and um you know I, I think you can open something i think you can partner with people i mean people are moving here every single day to you know open breweries and open restaurants and, and open wineries i mean it's, it's insane it's actually hard to keep up with so i think professionally there's a lot of room for opportunity and for growth and excitement um and then personally i think 
it's a lot of fun. I mean, God, I've not met somebody that's been to Nashville and has not um, loved it. It has not said to me, oh, my God, I have to move here. Um, and so I think, you know, you both would just love it. You love live music. Um, I think when you came from the wedding, you had a good time. It's just an it's just enticing. It's addicting. There's something just so ex- infectious about Nashville. Um, I love it so much. And I think when I first moved here, my goal was to get as many people to move here as possible. Um, and I got Jackie here. <laughs> you did get which, Jackie, yeah. Which I t- And I got my aunt here who moved my grandmother here. And I got my brother here and his now fiance. And um, my mother, I think when she finally retires from Highlights, will come here. And so it's actually pretty easy to convince people to move here. But um, I think you both just professionally it seems very fitting for you um and then personally you know jackie and i are here claire and i and jackie could just go out and um recreate the lyco days and you and matthew could stay home and take care of the babies um and whoever jackie's future husband will be so i think it's a great idea yeah we just built a house so it's a it's at least a few years off if that would ever happen, but, um, good. No snow. No snow. There you go. That that's probably the strongest point you made so far. I hate snow so much. It's wonderful. Well, and that's a good segue into the question I had for you. When you think about the idea of relish the journey, you're one of the few people I know that have just decided to move to a completely new city, not really knowing anyone, just because. And so I wanted to talk to you about that and, and ask more about what made you want to do that to begin with. What made you pick Nashville? What that was like at first? Were you just up and I mean, you graduated a whole semester early and then just moved there. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I came from a small town and my mother always said, you got to go somewhere else where there's more opportunity. That was always just sort of um, drilled into my head and, and part of how I grew up. So I knew I wouldn't stay there. Um, but, you know, I had some personal things changing and I just decided I need needed to go somewhere else. And I was looking for an internship. And so it's almost like I feel like I threw a dart at a map, um, candidly. I, I don't even remember how I picked Nashville, but I knew, you know, I had been there when I was like nine years old. And I remembered it was fun as a nine-year-old, um, but I didn't know anybody there. I knew I loved, you know, country music and live music. And um, and then after I did a little research, you know, I, I knew it was sort of a young, fun city. And so I just applied for a couple internships, um, got one of them, and just went. Um, and it was the greatest experience ever. I mean, it was definitely part terrifying, um, but also it was part exhilarating and liberating. I mean, there's nothing that will teach you more about yourself than going to a city where you don't know anybody. Um, I remember when I first got there, or here rather, I um, the apartment that I had lined up over the internet, and again, I had not been 
been to Nashville since I was nine or so. So I didn't really know like what neighborhoods were where and what was safe, what wasn't safe, what was nice, what was not nice. And so I lined up some apartment that was furnished. Um, and it was, but I drove all the way from Pennsylvania to Nashville straight through by myself with a car full of clothes. And that was it. And so when I finally got to the apartment that I had lined up late at night, um, I walked in and it was just horrific. Um, and it was not close to downtown and it was just a nightmare. And so they said, you know, you're able to break your lease if you just leave right now. And so I left because I didn't want to get stuck in some you know, pricey lease. And so I went to a hotel. My mom was like, just stay there. We'll figure it out. And so for about two weeks, I bopped around from random um, place, apartment, if you will, to hotel suites all over the city, um, trying to find a place that was not terrible, but that was also affordable and furnished because I had no furniture. And I was also at the same time um, trying to go to this internship. My very first and only internship. And so I was, um, it was hard to say the least. And then finally, you know, I went to this, this place and I pulled up and it was horrible. And I called my mom and I'm like, you know what, this is the fifth place I've looked at over the course of two years and I'm, or two months and or two weeks, sorry. And I am, you know, trying to do this internship and this is really hard and this is horrible and I'm just going to come home. This is not working. Um, and obviously I'm not meant to be here. And my mom was at a work dinner that night and she was like trying to whisper to me in the cell phone and the woman next to her heard her. And she looked over at my mom and she was a writer. Um, and she said, is everything okay? And my mom said, actually, it's not, you know, my, my daughter is sort of homeless in Nashville right now. We can't find um, a furnished apartment for her to live in. And the one that she was supposed to, to be in when she got down there ended up being horrible. And I'm just, we're both kind of stressed and freaking out because we don't know what to do. And she's been in a hotel. And the woman, believe it or not, turned to my mom and said, oh, well, I live in Nashville. And I have a one-bedroom condo in a high-rise downtown that nobody lives in. And she can live in it. And and she can live in it. And we can figure out the price. I'm not worried about, you know, what it is. We'll just make it work. And my mother mother looked at her and kind of was just flabbergasted. Couldn't believe. I mean, what are the odds of that? That does not happen in life. That's crazy. It's insane. So she called me and she said, you'll never believe it. But this is what just happened, and this is the address I was given. Just go to it. This woman is, you know, classy and smart, and I just trust that it's a a good place, so just go. And so at that point, I actually fought her on it. I'm like, I'm not going. They've all been terrible. I'm not going. But I ended up going, and I got to the front of the building. It was right downtown. And at the time, this was almost seven years ago, it was the only high-rise downtown that was, like, really nice condos and I pull up to the front and this man greets me he comes to my car and he says oh you're you're Allie Clark we've been waiting for you and and I'm exhausted no air conditioning in my car is horrible and he unloads my car and I just I'm staring at the building I'm like there's no way that this is the place and he unloads unpacks my entire car and takes me to the elevator and hits the top floor I'm like, there is no way this is happening. It's like something out of a movie. It is not even, I mean, I cannot make this shit up if I tried. And I get to the top floor. And and again, I had never been in a city like this before. I'm from a small town. So if that had happened now, I might 
not be as flabbergasted. But at the time, I couldn't believe it. We get to the top floor. He takes me to the the um, condo, and it was breathtaking. Um, and I know Claire has visited, and it was gorgeous. Um, I miss it every day. <laughs> but there were windows that overlooked the city, and um, it was unbelievable. And that's how I landed that condo. And then my summer was completely changed. Um, there was a pool uh, roof top, I guess, with a pool and overlooked um, all of downtown. And it was just unbelievable. And so that's how, I mean, talk about landing on your feet. Um, and so it was great. And so from there, the rest was yeah. kind so of restrained. You landed on stilts, not even on your feet. It's unbelievable. I met somebody that, you know, was a, a maid of honor, um, matron of honor. And it's just things I did that summer. It was so life-changing and I learned so much about myself and other people and so I think everybody should do something like that that kind of pushes them outside of their comfort zone that's crazy that's that seriously sounds like the beginning pilot episode to uh, a tv show it's nuts well and so this high rise was um downtown but it was next to this chain of bars and so once I kind of finally got to that place where I was like with people and uh, in safe environment I went to the bar next door and just sat there by myself and I met people um, these girls who took me all around downtown um and anyways that's how I met Bailey and that's how I got my first job and um it's just uh, it's a great uh, memory that's for sure that's awesome yeah well <laughs> i'm going to transition to this what i call the rtj questionnaire mm. some of it's redundant just because i feel like when i workshopped this with people side note before i started recording when i just prefaced hey i'm going to a questionnaire people started to freeze up because even though i've been asking you questions the whole time it's not like a i don't know questionnaire so the initial questions are purposefully kind of very simple, almost stupid, how simple they are to get you warmed up. And then we get back into some more thought-provoking ones. So the first one, what is your name? Allison Dale Farrow. So you kept Dale, huh? You didn't change Clark, your middle name. Correct. Dale is an important family name um, for my mom. And so I thought that was the name to keep. That's awesome. I always liked yeah. it. It was like, it's a cool middle, cool middle name for a girl. I mean, Dale. It's, it's just so unique. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what is your age? Oh, God. 28. I just turned 28. Ugh. It's crazy, right? We are closer to 30 than 20. I mean, we've been that way, but 28 just feels way closer to 30 than ever before. Yeah, 28. Late 20s. I think 27 is not late 20s, but 28 is. It's awful, actually. Yeah. That's all right. There are people doing worse in their life than you are at 28, so. That's true. <laughs> what is your occupation? I am a business development manager at Baker Donaldson, which is a corporate defense law firm um, with about 750 attorneys and 23 offices. Okay, so question there, because I always, I mean, I'm in the business world too, and when people say business development, it can mean so many different things. So what? Yeah. What is your version of business development? Sure. So um, just to give you some background on Baker Donaldson, um, we, well, the firm represents um, companies, not individuals or plaintiffs. So, for example, if Walmart ran you over with the bus and you sued Walmart, we would represent Walmart. We would not represent you. And so um, 
we, as I mentioned, have about 750 attorneys, and then we have actually 22 offices, and they range from um, Baltimore, D.C., uh, down to Florida, and Houston, and pretty much every major city in between. And so um, we have attorneys that practice in virtually every practice area you could imagine. So labor and employment, um, health law, um, we have a lot of litigators. We um, just we practice in a wide array of um, areas, and then we have a marketing department of um, about thirty-two now. And so, um, as part of our marketing business development department, um, I am in the business development arm, and so I work with our top thirty-ish. Um, partners, and I essentially coach them on business development. So I work with them on their top clients, um, which we call our key clients, and I help them grow their work with those clients. Um, and it's you know business development training and coaching, and um, we create plans, business plans, and we do um, client feedback interviews with those clients, and we strategize on other areas of work that we can cross-sell to them, and we do pitches, and um, it's it's really hard but rewarding work for sure, and um, our attorneys are so smart and wonderful, and so that is what business development means at our firm. <laughs> hmm. That's very interesting. Seems like... yeah. Every day is different depending on what client you're working with, I'd say. It is, and depending on uh, which attorney we we're working with. Yeah, sure, it's, yeah. Um, and, and our marketing department has um, pretty much every function that you would think about when you think about marketing. So we've got a PR team, a graphics team, an events yeah. team. Yeah, 32 <laughs> is – that's huge. That's a lot of Yeah. People. Yeah, it is. It's a pretty big team, and our CMO um, is based in Nashville with us. Um, and then we have a director of marketing and a director of business development. And then, um, you know, those of us on the business development team fall under our director of business development, and those on the marketing team fall under our director of marketing. And everybody then reports to our CMO, who then reports to our president. So um, that's sort of how our structure works. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. It okay. is, yeah. So that's your occupation. Yes. What is your passion? Oh, my passion. Um, I love people. Um, I have always enjoyed being around people, communicating with people, and I've found in my professional life that to be even more true because I just enjoy learning from people, working with people, um, meeting new people. Maybe that's part of why I moved to Nashville, but... um, I really just love people. That's my passion. Um, And so anything I ever do, whether it be personal or professional, it will always, I think, um, include people. How would you describe your life in three words? Um, Fun. Emotional. In a good way. Um, Filling. Say, I don't even know what might, some of that means. <laughs> I say you almost answered that as a question. Did I? <laughs> it sounded well, like yeah, it. My, voice, my voice did raise at the end. Um, yeah, three words is tough. Uh, that's tough. But so fun, sure. fun, emotional, and fulfilling. That's a good three words. Can, can, I, can I actually reverse the order of those, though? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it would be fulfilling, um, emotional, and 
um, fun, I think, is a better order for sure. Okay. So talk about that then. Fulfilling is first, not last. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yes. I think um, my husband is just a wonderful human being. Um, and he you know people talk about filling your bucket I guess like making you happy yeah. things that make you happy um, he fills my bucket for sure um, and my family fills my bucket and my friends fill my bucket and my career fills my bucket so I feel like um, I feel like that's a fulfilling life I'm blessed to to feel that way but I think fulfilling is the word the only word I can think of to describe it I'm happy inside my bucket is full and overflowing and so um that's the fulfilling piece i think it's an emotional mostly happy emotions um yes well but all, i guess happy sad um, d all of the above um one thing you know I've, I've noticed as i've gotten older is that I, I feel things very deeply and so i'm just you know whether it's politics or you know my friends who are going through things or my my family or myself i just have um realized that i just feel very deeply and so i've been navigating that um as a young adult but yeah i emotion is a big part of my life in a good way I think um generally whether it's a good or bad emotion I just think emotion is good and I like feeling things but um I definitely feel them and so you know there's a lot going on in society and I've I've found that I've been feeling it pretty deeply so um I think it's a big part of my life yeah and then fun which doesn't (laughs) need quite a lot of explanation but yes I think that's right. Yeah, living in Nashville and just I think generally life yeah, should be fun. That's great. Those are those are a good three. Yeah. So then, it's a good segue. Next question is, I mean, what would you say is your happiest life moment so far? Well, I would say getting married was wonderful, um, and finding somebody. Um, that I wanted to marry was great. And so I think that that is probably um, my happiest moment for sure is getting married. I think, you know, when we have a, a baby that will probably surpass being married but or getting married. But I think, yeah, finding somebody that you want to marry and, and then getting married to them is a big thing. That's happy. It is. And Matthew's a good guy. He is. I hadn't really, I hadn't really, even really met him until your wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I knew him through Claire's stories of her visiting and stuff, and I always appreciated as a guy, and well, and as in your circle of friends in college, I was, I was like the male tag along between you and all the girls and Claire and all the girls, and I always felt responsible for the whole group, not just Claire. And when Claire would come back from trips, it felt like Matthew had the same sort of mindset that he was looking out for everybody and taking care of not just you, but Claire and Jackie and Caitlin and everybody else. And so I always appreciated that about him, even though I had never met him. So yeah, no, that's true. And and can I just say, God bless you for taking care of us. Uh, It was fun. You guys took care of me enough too so eh, i think you probably carried the weight and the burden there but thank you <laughs> no you're welcome you're welcome so opposite of that it's an odd question to ask but i like asking it because i think 
you know, we all like to focus on the happy times, but the not so happy times are where we tend to learn a lot about ourselves. Um, what would you say is your lowest life moment so far? Gosh, life moment. Um, I've, hmm, well, that, I think there's, I guess, different facets to, to low moments. Um, I've lost a, a handful of important people in my life. Um, and so that's been hard for sure. And so I think I, I was feeling low in terms of like grieving and, um, you know, the pain that comes with grief. My aunt, my youngest aunt passed away suddenly and, um, my grandfather passed away suddenly and my stepfather, you know, has been diagnosed with, uh, advanced prostate cancer for the last decade. And so, um, and I think pretty much all of those things happened in college. Um, but you know, those were, low times in terms of grieving and in my mission. Um, I think, you know, there were a couple times where I misstepped with friends that I wish I could have handled those situations differently. Um, but I don't know if there's a specific moment where I could recognize that that was my lowest. Um, and maybe I'm lucky for that. I don't know, but I'm, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, you know, I've gone through some things, but I feel fortunate that I haven't had a obvious low moment yet. Sure. Yeah, I mean, your low moment is you're homeless and then a condo appears. So you well, know, yeah, you and, and honestly, good. like, and people live their lives that way for decades. And so yeah. um, I got a very tiny glimpse into their life, and so I can hardly um, feel that way. I don't want to get political, so I will not say what I was about to say. But, um, (laughs) yeah, no, I feel fortunate that I haven't had a moment where I've thought this is the lowest I've been. Um, But I've certainly had moments where I felt low, that's for sure. Sure. What do you think is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Hmm. (laughs) Um, I think, gosh, that's a loaded question. Um, it's actually, it's changed, um, as I've gotten older. When I was younger, my mother always told me, you catch more flies with honey, um, meaning, you know, you'll get further if you're nicer to people. And I think when you're young, like you can hear that and take it uh, with a grain of salt. But I think when you're young, you're just so immature. Don't always follow something like that. But when I was younger, I I always kept that in the back of my mind. And when I met somebody who was less fortunate or, um, you know, somebody who was especially cruel, I always wanted to, um, be nicer to them because of that thing. And that always, um, stayed in my mind. And then, but as I've gotten older, um, I, I was told, you know, we, we always give ourselves more grace than we give other people in terms of like, um, our, character flaws and so I always think about if someone's not perfect and I want to change them or they're you know I criticize them I always try to think about myself and you know how much grace I give myself with character flaws and forgiving myself when I don't do something perfect Um, and I try to give others that same type of grace 
And so I think that is um, an piece of advice that I try to live by now that I'm older. Um, So it's interesting. It kind of changes. But so, what do you think? If that's the best advice you've received, what do you think is the best piece of advice that you could give? Hmm. Well, I actually told um, I told my assistant today that. Well, I don't know if it was a good piece of advice, but um, I told her. Hmm, how do I put this into a words of advice? We were talking about, you know, when you're young in your career, you know, mistakes you make. And I was telling her that when I was young in my career, which, by the way, was not that long ago, as you know, recently, right. um, five or six years ago. But I told her that I thought I had it all figured out. Um, and maybe that's human nature and inevitable when you're young. But um, I, you know, I was telling her, like, you might feel pretty strongly that you've got to figure it out. But even if you think you do, and no matter how hard you think you do, you don't just because you're young. And that's just how it is. Experience trumps everything else. Um, and so I don't really know if that's advice, but um, it's something to think about, I guess. And that just happened today. So that's top of mind, I guess. Well, it's definitely advice is it's almost you think you know you have no idea, you know, until you yeah. until you do know, until you've experienced it. And I definitely I learn something new every day. And as your experience grows, it we have a saying in our company that there's no such thing as common sense. It's just the sum of your experiences. So you might think something's common sense because you've lived it and you've experienced it and you know it, but somebody else may not. So it's not common. And yep. it, Yeah. And everything has a ripple effect and has a bigger, broader impact than you can even imagine when you're young. I mean, you just can't think about things from a broad standpoint when you're young. It's just impossible unless you're a freak of nature, but you just can't. And in the moment, you just think you can. Yeah. <laughs> and so, God, I wish I could go back sometimes. But So that is the end of the questionnaire. And my questions of you, it's... Now you get the mic, and you can put me in the hot seat if you have any questions for me. Wow. Um, actually, this is fun because oh, I do have questions for you. All right. As a, as a semi-new father, Yeah. Um, what's the hardest part about being a dad? The hardest part about being a dad? Um, well, for me, I think the hardest part is – losing control so my whole life is you know i've been in control and i'm a control freak in many respects professionally and personally where i like things a certain way and that's why i'm going to do it and a baby comes along and throws that all out the window so it's it's hard adjusting to the new normal um it's a beautiful thing and it's a wonderful thing but it is a it's a whole new life that you enter into with parenthood that that's hard where you're used to certain things and you're used to your certain routines and this baby comes along and they want to eat when they want to eat and they don't want to sleep when you want to sleep and you got to figure out how to make that all work. And, um, that's where, you know, you mentioned marriage and finding that person you're meant to be with. That's where having a great spouse comes into play because, Claire and I have ended up just playing very well off one another where what frustrates me, she's she's good at her and vice versa. And she's definitely taken more of the ownership of figuring out 
you know, what's a sleep schedule and how do you train this, that, and the other thing. It sounds weird to train your baby, but there are definitely certain things when you we're in the habit forming stage of, of his life with a lot of things. And she's just been all about learning it and then teaching it to me because I don't know, not that I haven't taken interest. I just didn't realize it was a thing I should be taking interest in. You know, as a guy, I'm kind of aloof and you don't talk about that growing up as a guy about that kind of stuff. So I would say it's the hardest part is just, it's not about you anymore. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as an aside, she is just an angel. Oh, she's, Claire Bear. I'll yeah, tell you she's what. Awesome. Um, you know, you just offhand said something that, um, made me think of another question. Um, as a man and having now a baby boy, do you worry or, um, think about, you know, the society changes, um, from a gender perspective, I guess, really, and how, you know, men are perceived and how boys are, you know, taught now to be men. Like, do you think about that shift in gender roles? And do you worry about how, you know, you'll raise your son and how you can help him fit into society? I mean, it's, it's just everything is so controversial and and heated and men and women versus each other. It's just tough. And so I wonder if parents think about that with young boys and young girls, I guess, but right. um, Well, I'm going to say yes and no. I think I was very fortunate to grow up as a young man in a house full of women and a family full (laughs) of women. That's right. So, I've, to me, I don't even really think about it as a thing, if that makes sense. It's just, I've always grown up around women. I have a huge respect for women. And for me, it's just, I'm going to raise him the way I was raised, which it's similar to what you said about you catch more flies with honey. You know, I want to, I want him to be a good person more than I want him to be a man's man. You know, he'll, he'll figure that part out of who he is. And maybe he's not a man's man. You know, maybe he's a feminine man. Who knows? It's, you know, that's, we'll figure that out. But, I just want him to be a healthy, happy human being and where gender roles come into play, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I just, I'm most excited to relive what I loved about being a kid, a bright eyed kid in this world with so much opportunity. And he's got even more opportunity than we had when we were growing up. So I'm, I'm looking forward to doing scouts again and sports and just stuff that I love to do, sharing that with him and, you know, little things like on Sunday I made French toast for breakfast. And I was like, <gasps> I, was like I cannot wait until I can get a little step stool up here and teach him how to make French toast and pancakes. And that can be like our thing on Sunday morning is making breakfast for mom. You know, like that's, that's the stuff I'm definitely looking forward to because that's the stuff I did when I was a little kid with my grandparents and my parents. And, and I'm looking forward to just paying that forward. You bet your ass I'm writing this stuff down for Matthew right now, <laughs> saying French toast on Sundays, check. Um, that's that's awesome. I um, I can't even imagine how great of a father you are. Um, one final question. Sure. Because I'm sure I'm out of time. When are you going to move to Nashville? <laughs> uh, <laughs> when are you going to come visit? Yeah, we need to plan a visit. I mean, we hadn't been yeah. back 
since the wedding, but once he's, I mean, we had our first road trip with him for his baptism last weekend. It was about three hours in the car and he did good. I mean, he slept the whole time. So we were getting there, you know, it's, we're still figuring all that out, but yeah, we definitely need to come visit. And, and if you're ever up here, I mean, we have the house is done now and the whole second floor of the house is basically like a guest floor at the moment because there's another like i don't know what you call it rec room family room that's where i'm doing the podcast right now and then there's two bedrooms and a bathroom and a little loft sitting area that i've set up with a keurig and coffee and wine and granola bars so that in the morning guests can We'll have a glass of wine in the morning if they want, or they can have that at uh, night. Yeah. Or a cup of coffee, grill bar, and just kind of hang up, read books upstairs in the loft with the windows that are overlooking the farm behind the house. And it's just a really cool setup up here. And then the baby's room's downstairs, and we're downstairs. So eventually, the goal is to have kids up here, adults downstairs with the guest room. But right now, you guys would have a whole, I mean, we could Airbnb out the half of this house probably. But. Uh, well, so yeah, had, long way of saying, wine for yeah, long way of saying there's room for you guys. If you're ever out this way, you're visiting and well, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for joining me. This has been fun. I think it's going to be a good one. Thank you. I am um, flattered. You asked me and it was fun to catch up. It was, it was really fun. And that'll do it for another episode of relish the journey. Thank you to everyone out there listening. Be sure to follow Relish the Journey on social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RTJ Podcast. Let me know what you think of each episode using hashtag RTJ Podcast. And if you'd like to email me directly to get on the show or to give me ideas for future questions to ask my guests, you can email me at miles.rtjpodcast at gmail.com. And that's miles with a Y. Until next time, I hope you all relish the journey.